Good to see y'all in the house of the Lord today. If you have your Bible, then I hope you do turn to the book of James. The book of James, the first chapter, when you get there, just stick your finger in there or wait a minute because it's going to be a while before we read. So uh, just go to the book of James, the first chapter, and we'll be again reading here after a bit. While you're turning to the book of James, for quite an extensive amount of time now, I have longed to develop a serious inquis inquisition concerning this physical disorder. Uh, the inconvenient element, if you will, this confused emotion, this transitive verb which has been photographed in my mind for a long time called trouble. Called trouble. You know, for quite a while now, I've been wondering, I've been thinking, I've been pondering, why is it that trouble seems to raise its ugly head in my life so much? You know, and I have to confess to you that at the pinnacle of my thinking or the apex of my pondering or the zenith, uh, of my thoughts at the crowning moments of my thoughts lately has been a very troubling question. And my question to myself is, why in this day and age, why in this modern day am I still filled, bombarded, overwhelmed, and saturated with what always looks like a crisis or trouble? And it seems like everywhere we turn, trouble is waiting there. I've often wondered why it is that the gray clouds of anguish and torment and agony and suffering continually, continually hover or linger or hang around, if you will, all the time and, and, and you know in the area of my life especially where I have decided that I want just a little solitude you know I, 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 because maybe I'm thinking at that, that point I don't have any troubles I can uh, you know I, I, I can be effective and when I think I'm being effective and doing the right thing it seemed like here comes the storms of disappointment and worries and anxiety. So I've often, to be honest about it, I have often directed my, my, my thoughts in curiosity of how wonderful it would be in this present existence uh, if I never made any kind of contact or connection with pain or sorrow or being set back or suffering or disappointments and I could go on and on and on. You know, and I'm telling you that I've often thought about this. I've often wondered, as maybe some of you have, could there ever be a time in my life that I could enjoy some trouble-free time? A period of time where I was exempt from trouble. 
a period of time where I was exempt from a crisis, a problem-free life, a life that, that, that has no issue working against me. You know, and I often think about how, how fun it would be, how tranquil it could be if I could just have a little quiet time, you know, just a little time of, of some peace in the valley, so to speak. But I have to admit that when I finally came back to myself and I come back to good old common reality, reality reminded me that life on this planet will not allow me to submit myself or commit to such a paradise or dreamland. Reality wakes me up and, and, and shouts, hey, you need to get back in the real world. So, you know, reality gives me some insight. It, it gives me a rude awakening. It gives me a, a shaking up, if you will. And, and as Job said it this way in his book, he said that man is born of a woman is of a few days, and those days are filled with trouble. Well, so I don't know if it just seems to look like that this man, that mankind is just a magnet for drawing troubles or problems. So now being conscious of this infallible fact, the question that hangs in front of my mind is what now shall we do? What now shall we do? When, when, the, when, when troubles come down upon me, now what should I do? When I'm pressed on every side, when I'm persecuted, when I'm struck down, when I'm forsaken, what should I do? And, and I have to ask the question, what should my behavior pattern be at that particular point? Should I make an attempt to just run from trouble or flee from trouble or try to escape trouble uh, like I'm a desperate, you know, fugitive on the run? Or should we, should we just give up, give in, and just tap out and say, I'm done. I've had enough. Well, I've got news for you today. I'm here to tell you, folks, that we should never negate what Psalms 34, 19 says. It says, many are the affliction of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Folks, we should never forget about John 16, 33, which says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Or how about we, we, we can't overlook Act 14.22 which says we must go through many trials and tribulations to enter the kingdom of God. And we can't forget about 2 Timothy 3.12 which teaches us all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, we will suffer some persecution. And whatever you do, don't forget John 15, 20. That tells us, remember the word that I said to you, that a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will also 
persecute you. So I say to you today, ladies and gentlemen, we must never ever get set sidetracked by the certainty of trouble. You know, we should never get to the point where we as Christians think because we're Christians that we are going to be exempt from trouble, that we are going to be exempt from persecution. First of all, how do we deal with the events of trouble? Because it seems like through the years that no mafia has been able to assassinate it. Al-Qaeda has not been able to bomb it. ISIS cannot behead it. And I'm here for the, you know, it seems like trouble is saying, I'm here for the duration of eternity. Whether you like it or not. So since trouble won't leave us alone, as Christians, how do we deal with the demanding effect of trouble in our lives? Well, let me share a secret with you. I started thinking about that, and I started going through the Bible, and I started studying. And then I, I got into the neighborhood of, of Hebrews, and the prescription that it gave me was faith. Was faith. Well, while I was thinking about that, and I was kind of cruising through the Bible, I got over in the first Peter and got some understanding on the matter. And then... It was there between Hebrews and 1 Peter that I got the answer I was looking for. And I found it in the book of James. That's when my eye caught this, this you know, and, and it was kind of accidental that I bumped into this match, masterpiece of godly literature. And there it was right in front of me. And it was in the, in the book of James. In, in, in chapter 1. So I finally found out what we should do in the time of crisis. I bumped into the answer that has been calling me all the time. And it shared with me what we do when trouble attacks us without a moment's notice. So that's what we're going to look at here in a minute. Now, just a little bit about James. You know, James, this, this is the same James that was very... Uh, 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 he, he, he was very uh, uh, against Jesus. He, he was anti-Jesus, you might say, at one time and later became a bond servant. This is the same James who was believed to be the biological half-brother of Jesus. The same James that was the bishop in the church in Jerusalem. And I know who he is. Maybe you know who he is. But he's very clear that he understood what the first century Christians were dealing with. You know, he knew that a lot of them were being put to death because of their belief in Jesus Christ in a lots of different ways. And we're talking about, uh, you know, they were being burnt to death and they were being uh, hung and they were being stoned and, and starved and, and whipped and, and scalded in hot oil. And I could go on and on, you know, thrown in the lion's den and, and all of this. But uh, James understood what the men and the women of God was going through 
And it was from this type of agony that, that James propelled, was propelled and he was compelled to write upon his pad the book and he wasted no time whatsoever. A lot of people don't like the book of James because he's very straightforward. He don't beat around the bush. He gets to the point. So I want you to look with me today in the book of James, the first chapter, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. Amen? Amen. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greet. My brother, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Diverse temptations is various tribes. Knowing this, that the trying or testing of your faith worketh patience. That word worketh means produces. Now did you get that? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces patience. Let me visit with you about in troubling times rejoice. Now, after his greeting there in verse 1, to the brethren, which refers to the body of Christ, he says, and look in verse 2, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation. Now, some of you are already looking at me kind of funny. That's the advantage I have on y'all. Because can you imagine James stopping by and talking about counting it all joy when we're eyeball deep in trouble? Now I want you to think about this. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our trouble, you want me not only to count, but to count it all joy. You know, Wait a minute here, James. You, you mean to tell me that when my kids' stomachs are growling, while my husband says he loves me and still has his little black book, while my children are joining games, while my job, I'm afraid I'm about to lose it, you know, I, and I'm barely making it, not only are you wanting me to count, but to count it all joy. Somewhat of a challenge to us, is it not? I hear what you're saying, James, and I'm trying to follow you, but you're making it hard on me because I'm going through all of this trouble and you're throwing this paradox at me at this time to count it all joy. Because for many of us, that seems foolish. That seems irrational. That seems thoughtless. And that seems just plumb outright silly. You know, you're probably sitting there thinking to me, yeah, the last thing I want to do is, is be counting it for joy when I'm going through all of this stuff that I don't know how I'm going to handle. But here's the thing. I have learned that if you're going to hold these qualities, you're going to have to be saved. You're going to have to be sanctified. 
And you're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ. Because the fact of the matter is, when you're going through trouble, we don't want to hear about holding on. Some of us just want to say, Shut your door! When we're going through trouble and we're being pushed, the last thing that we want to think about is turning the other cheek. We want to fight back. The fact of the matter is that someone that is not saved don't want to hear this philosophy. That's the last thing they want to hear. And, and if you think that I'm lying to you about that, think about the time when you wasn't saved. Now let me make this real plain for you. Because that's the way James does it. I dare you to go up to somebody that is not saved, who has just lost his job, his wife is leaving him, he just had an accident in his uninsured car, and say, hey man, just shout out and count it all joy and see how that works for you. What do you think? You think you might get a black eye? But we as Christians should have a different response. We should. In fact, we ought to be able to say, hey God, have you looked down here lately at what I'm going through? The trouble I'm in. You know, God, I'm just tired and I'm sick in this old body. I'm burdened down, but I still want to say thank you. I'm going through heartache and I'm going through pain, but it's all good. I'm doing a little suffering, but it's okay. I still want to thank you. Lord, have you looked at me lately? I'm zapped. I'm zapped. No peace at home. My home's been violated. My son's on drugs. My teenage daughter's pregnant. My other kids are running around wild. My marriage is on the rocks. The bills are due, overdue. My job is on the bricks. My rent is due. My life is in trouble. I'm so blue, I don't know what to do. The lights are out. I have no electricity, no friends at all. I've been let down. I've been hurled down. I've been kicked down. I've been pushed down. I've been put down and kept down and knocked down. I'm at the bottom of the bottom. I hit rock bottom at the bottom of the bottom, but God be the glory. As a saved person, no matter what we're going through, we ought to be able to find a way to tell God, thank you. Now, do you think I'm standing up here telling you that that's easy? No. Because it's not. Because of the fact of the matter is, I will still bless the Lord at all time, and His praises shall continually be in my mouth. I will enter into His gates with thanksgiving and His courts with praise. 
James gives us the mandate to rejoice in troubling times. And not only, not only did he give us the invitation to rejoice, but he also gives us at least one reason why we as the body of believers, as, as Christians, why we ought to rejoice. You saw it there, I think it's in verse 3. It says, knowing this. Knowing this. What is James saying? He is saying we can shout through our troubles because of what we know. In other words, James is saying that we have a knowing faith. We know what others have testified to. Job said it back in the book of Job. He said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Did you get that? Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. Who do you think he was talking about? Huh? He's talking about Jesus. Now let me ask you this. How did Job, way over there in the Old Testament, how did Job know who Jesus was? Prophets. He knew God. He said, my Redeemer liveth. As far as I'm concerned, one of the most profound scriptures you can find in the Bible. But that's what he said. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that he shall appear, and we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Yes, we have a knowing faith. Even though we're going through all of these troubles, we can still say and say, I know the Lord will make a way. Yes, he will. I'm telling you this. You can rejoice in troubling times because we know this trouble comes to bring our faith into better focus. And we need to know that. The verse says that we, it is a trying, a test of your faith. Understand that word try means testing. We know that trouble won't always last. It won't always be around. Let me tell you, and I know there's a teacher here or a former teacher. Well, how does a teacher know the best way if, if their students is learning anything? You give them a test. That, that verse is telling us, it, it, you know, and I remember, Renee can relate to this really well, and I know when I was growing up, you would walk in there and the teacher would say, get out your pen and a piece of paper. We're going to have a pop quiz. Oh, good. No. But here's the thing. What I have learned is that you will never know where your Christianity is until you go through a test until you go through some trials in your life. You know, you can always exercise your faith. Oh, everything's going well. Woo! Praise God. But how about when the walls fall in? How about when the rug is jerked out from under us? 
You know, that's, that, that's when uh, we find out what we're made of because it, here's the thing. I've learned that real faith works best when we're reaching up and, 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 and there's nothing to hold on to. Real faith works best when you're stepping out and there's nothing to step out on. You know, it, it, it's just like milk works best in cereal. Butter works best on an ear of corn. You know, a pencil works better on paper. A pen works best with ink. An airplane performs best in the air. A boat works best in the water. A car works best if it's got some gas in it. Or nowadays, everybody's got a pickup diesel. So you got to have that. But I stopped by to tell you, your faith works best when it seems like everything is impossible. I stopped by to tell someone today that your faith works better when it's being tested. Now, I got one more piece of information for you. I got to go. But I remember my teacher. She'd give us that top test. And then she would say after that test, whatever you do, don't throw away this test. Why would we want to keep this test, teacher? And she would say, because the answer on this test, we're going to have finals here in, in a few weeks, and you're going to need these answers so you can pass your finals. You see, I stopped by to tell you today, don't throw away any of your test papers because there are some answers there that you're going to need the next time you experience trouble. When you go through the next set of problems. So I need to leave you this evening. But please not... That when trouble comes knocking at your door, when trouble comes to your zip code, when you have gone down in the low valley, please remember that you have a God that can bring you out. Amen. I remember a time, and this, this is a story that I was told several years ago, and I'm going to do my best to relay this story back to you. But where I used to work, I had a bunch of hunters. And they were from southeast Texas, Houston, Beaumont, down in that area. And one of these guys that, he, he, was, he was an older guy. And uh, he, he was pretty footloose and fancy free, let's put it that way, until one day he found his way to the Lord. And I mean to talk about a man that turned completely around. This guy did. And it really impressed me. But this, this is a story that's, that came out of rural, the rural country there around Beaumont. And there lived a woman there by the name of Mrs. Essie. And she lived in this little, rundown, rotten shack. And in the 1970s, they had a real bad storm that came through there. 
and it tore the entire roof off of Mrs. Essie's home. And, you know, it just tore it all apart. Well, a few days after the storm, Miss Essie was sitting in the front porch of that torn up house in a rocking chair and she was rejoicing in her time of trouble. Singing and humming how good God is. Well, her 12-year-old son came walking up. And he said, Mama, I, I, I don't get it. He said, how can you be sitting there in that chair rejoicing when we are surrounded by trouble? Nothing good is happening. Nothing good is going our way. And he said, Mama, I, I just don't understand. I really don't understand how it is that in these troubling times that you can have so much joy. But his mother said to him, she said, you don't understand. We have so much to be grateful for. You see, a few hours ago, there was a young man came by that, that represented the government. And he told, told me that we are eligible for government assistance. Said, we're going to get a new roof on our house. You remember, son, how bad the old house was. There was holes over here. There was holes over there. Every time it rained, we had buckets under this one and a pot or a pan under that one, whatever we could come up with. But she says, here in a few days, we're going to have a new, new roof over our head. And she said, you remember that hole in the floor where the possums used to crawl up through that hole into our house? Well, we're, we're going to tear all this flooring out and we're going to get a new floor. If we can just hold on for a little bit longer, just a few more days, we'll be all right. So, son, go on about your business. Just leave me alone because I have so much to be grateful for in troubled times. Because the truth is, if it hadn't have been for the storms that we went through, get this, if it hadn't have been for the storms that you have gone through, in your lives, you would never be able to do the things, in her case, she was able to fix her house up. You would never know how good an individual you were without going through those storms. I, you know, and here's what I want you to understand. Just hold on a little bit longer. Everything will be all right if we can just hold on because trouble won't last forever. As a good friend of mine used to say, it too shall pass. But most of all, you can praise God during troubling times because one of these days, everything is going to be all right. We're not going to have to have any more troubles. Now, I, I, I really don't mean to keep y'all here this long, but let me say this, and then we'll go. I just had to stop by and tell you. I've had some good days, and I've had some bad days. We all have. 
But that man who hung on that cross for us has still been good to me. Somebody say amen. amen. Thank you. And the Lord has been good to you. He's been good to you. You need to tell people that. You need to share that story. Say, hey, brother, put your arm around. Say, look, I know what you're going through. Well, maybe you don't know what they're going through, but I've been there. I've done that. Let me tell you this. God is good. And He's going to bring you through this. And I'm going to help you as much as I can. Rejoice in your times of trouble. And see how well it works out for you. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. Father, I thank you for all the blessings that you give us, Father. I thank you for all that you do for us. Father, we've heard your word proclaimed today. Now help us take this word, Father, and, and, and take it to our hearts and keep it on our minds, Father. That there is always a reason to rejoice, no matter how bad things seem to be. How much trouble we're in, we can still rejoice. Father, I thank you for your son that you gave so that we could have the forgiveness of sins, that we could have an eternal home, Father. And there where troubles will not last forever. There will be no more troubles. So, Father, just watch over us and care for us. Guide us and direct us as we leave this place, Father. Bring us back at the next appointed hour. And Father, again, we, we pray for rain that we desperately need. We pray for all the folks that, that we've mentioned that we have on our prayer list for whatever reason. I just lift them up to you, Father. We put them in your hands because that's the best place for them to be. So Father, just go with us and help us to always praise your holy name. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.